2: Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com. And with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports, it's a Friday. It's August 11th. Bob Kemp still feeling under the weather today. So Kayla Mortolara with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. We'll continue our NFL previews. That's with the NFC South we will have a conversation with Mike Lassid of the Charlotte Sports Live around 1015. Then we'll also wrap up the NFC East with the Cowboys discussion. Michael Gelkin of Dallas Morning News set to join us around 1115 today. As I mentioned, it is Friday. 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 So guess what? It's a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. A $100 gift certificate could be available to you a little bit later on in the program. But here are the weekend specials. And boy, are they serving up something good this weekend. Certified Angus Beef Choice Cowboy Cut Rib Steak, $24.99 a pound pork back ribs at $5.99 a pound, and Von Hansen's own oven-ready chicken parmesan at $5.99 a pound. So why don't you head on over to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, 2390 North Ulma School in Chandler, and pay them a visit. Uh, As you can probably guess... What the poll questions are today, continuing our previews, let's get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question. The 2023 Dallas Cowboys over nine and a half wins or under nine and a half wins and under out in front at this point in time, 69% of the vote, over trailing at 31%. Plenty of changes to the offensive unit for. The Dallas Cowboys Dak Prescott remains, but no Zeke Elliott going with Tony Pollard. Also no Dalton Schultz at tight end. Uh, Zach Martin currently holding out on the offensive line. There are some changes at the wideout position. And of course the big one, Mike McCarthy taking over as offensive play caller for Kellen Moore. We'll get Michael Gelkin's perspective on all of this here around 1115. See if he's on the over or the under side of things for the Dallas Cowboys on Twitter, adcast, Kdos AM ten sixty. It's the Carolina Panthers over under seven and a half wins right now. The masses are on the over side of things at fifty four point five percent of the vote. Under trailing at forty five point five percent. This is on Twitter at Kdos AM ten sixty. As it is for the Carolina Panthers, an entirely new coaching staff. Frank Wright, the head coach bringing over Averio from uh, the Denver Broncos to be the defensive coordinator. Also, all of these different analysts are part of the coaching staff as well. uh, With Dom Capers as a defensive analyst, you have Jim Caldwell as an offensive analyst. You also have Josh McCown, part of the quarterback's coaching staff. So there's plenty of bigger names uh, that have had some prominence in the NFL, whether it be as a player or as a coach on this staff. So we'll see how all of that kind of unfolds in addition to, of course, number one overall pick Bryce Young and how he's going to fare as a rookie. A lot of expectations and a lot of pressure for him as we see how the NFC South is going to shape up. So we'll answer that question around uh, 1130 today and we'll also pop on out to the KDS hotline. Mike Lassett of Charlotte Sports Live joining us in just a few minutes. Camp T, though, for ASU football is here under new head coach Kenny Dillingham, and this is the first time in quite some time that fans can actually head up to Camp T and watch the Sun Devils scrimmage on Saturday around 9 a.m. There's... It doesn't matter the coach who has participated in Camp T. They all kind of say similar things about the importance of Camp T. And uh, I've heard the term brotherhood thrown around a lot here, but certainly plenty of talk surrounding how there is a lack of cell service. Therefore, it forces teammates to have that togetherness, to have that bond that forms and how those bonds forming in those moments off the field will translate to how Uh, They will play and be part of critical success on the football field. Uh, Head coach, though, Kenny Dillingham, he's not afraid so far to make his mark early on with this team Uh, this week. Linebacker Juwan Mitchell was dismissed from the team following an incident at last Saturday's practice. Here, Kenny Dillingham saying, quote, culture wins. It is very, very simple. Culture wins. You are either going to practice how we practice, live how we live, be a good person, compete, say yes, sir or no, sir. Open doors for people. Be genuinely a good person or do things right or or you are not uh, Juwan Mitchell there he was expected to be a starting linebacker for the Sun Devils this year as he transferred into the program this season but he was dismissed in addition to that cornerback isaiah johnson was also dismissed last week no further details were given as to his particular status when you look at asu and just the numbers here as it is a friday spread brought to you by vaughn hansen's meats and spirits over four and a half wins sitting at minus 115 under four and a half wins at minus 105 Uh, The big thing for ASU is what are they going to do at that starting quarterback position? Is it going to be Trenton Borgay returning to a starting role? Is it going to be transfer Drew Pine? Is it going to be uh, Jaden Rashada? There's plenty that uh, has yet to be divulged and unfold for that starting quarterback position here. And if you go back to what uh kenny dillingham has previously said he wants to name a starter at least one week before the sun devils start the season as a reminder here the sun devils do start the season thursday august 31st as they host southern utah a couple of weeks back here just looking at uh different perspectives as to what's going to happen with this starting quarterback position. ESPN's Adam Rittenberg wrote a 2023 quarterback competitions piece going around college football, and it dove into this ASU battle a bit here. Rittenberg believes that Jaden Rashada is the likely long-term answer at quarterback, but that Dillingham can start his tenure here with the Sun Devils with a veteran who displays accuracy and knows the environment, and that, of course, being Trenton Borgay. Trenton Borgay doesn't make a lot of mistakes, which is essential for a team introducing so many new elements. That's at least Adam Rittenberg's prediction as to what is going to unfold for the Sun Devils this season. Uh, obviously, there's lots of different momentum with Kenny Dillingham and it's not going to be turned around overnight, certainly evidenced with the over-under sitting at four and a half wins, but lots of New things on the horizon, too, because this is the last season for ASU and the Pac-12 before moving to the Big 12. And if you believe some of the reporting from this morning, uh, according to John Canzano, uh, the Pac-12 back in 2022 was offered $30 million per school for their media rights deal by ESPN. It included all media rights, including the Pac-12 network. According to Canzano's reporting here, he dug a little bit further, and presidents of different Pac-12 schools uh, encouraged George Kliakoff, the commissioner of the Pac-12, to turn that deal down, instead countering with an offer of $50 million per year per school. At which point ESPN said, uh, according to Canzano's source here, goodbye. Um, This is kind of interesting now when you know what has happened and unfolded here now with these contract uh, negotiations and the different schools that are moving to their different conferences. You have, uh, at least reportedly, with Oregon and Washington going to the Big Ten, they are coming in at fifty percent of the revenue share, which is at thirty million, whereas the rest of the Big Ten schools are coming in at sixty million. You then have ASU and U of A going as full members to the Big Twelve, which is about thirty-one point something million dollars per year. You also then had the reports for the Apple TV offer for the PAC-12, which was, of course, just streaming $20 million a year with incentive-laden boosts, if you will, uh, for their schools if they hit certain thresholds that it could increase over time. So that's an interesting little report there from John Canzano this morning about what has transpired with the PAC-12. Uh, sticking with just some over-under numbers here, you have the U of A. They too. Sitting in Vegas, over under four and a half wins. Over four and a half minus one seventy six. Under four and a half plus one forty two. In general for the Pac twelve, you have USC out in front. They of course still have Caleb Williams plus two hundred to win the conference. U Dub plus three twenty to win the conference. Oregon sitting at plus three forty and Utah at plus five fifty. I also thought it was notable. Some of the different quarterback competitions that are going on around the college football landscape, much of college football, or only a couple of weeks away, has just been conversations about what where these schools are going, where their next conferences, where they're going to be playing. And yet there's actual work being done on the football fields for the college football season just around the corner. And there's still some notable schools that have quarterback competitions ongoing. And one of them is right here in the Pac 12, at least for one more year UCLA as they are trying to replace Dorian Thompson Robinson. The battle between Colin Sheely, Dante Moore and Ethan Garbers. Uh, Moore of course being the five-star prospect but Ethan Garbers transferring in a little while ago to UCLA. Certain reports coming out about Moore's uh, discontent with NIL deals. Him saying that that's inaccurate. He's fine. He's happy to be a UCLA Bruin. You do have a lot of reports though indicating that Ethan Garbers will be the starting quarterback, as that is still yet to be named – uh, then also you have Alabama and the battle that is going on for the starting quarterback spot there between Jalen Milroe Ty Simpson, and Notre Dame transfer Tyler Buckner. All three are taking first team reps as they did in week one of camp so far. Nick Saban continues to say that he wants someone to start separating themselves and uh, therefore really becoming the clear-cut favorite to win the job. Ole Miss between Jackson Dart. Spencer Sanders transfer there from Oklahoma State and Walker Howard. It does seem like Dart continues to be working with the ones and will be winning that quarterback battle and that quarterback job. Speaking of the SEC, though, no surprise, Georgia minus 110, Alabama plus 300, LSU plus 460, Tennessee, huge gap there, 15 to 1. We will step aside on this Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. And then on the other side, we'll have a Carolina Panthers discussion as we'll be joined by uh, Mike Lassett of Charlotte Sports Live. How's Bryce Young looking? How's the defense? The defense, JC Horn, is he coming back healthy for this squad? And Burns, is he ready to have another incredible year, another breakout season for him? kind of establishing himself there. We'll get we'll catch up with uh Mike Lassett on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDUS AM 1060.
0: HD Radio is here for KDUS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2.
2: Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Wrapping up the NFC South conversation today with the Carolina Panthers as we pop on out to the KDOS hotline. Mike Lassett, Charlotte Sports Live. Mike, appreciate the time on the show today. How are you?
1: I'm good. Happy to be here. So when Bob's out of town, what do you do differently? Do you just take it off the rails? I mean, what? What goes on to a Kayla show versus a Bob show?
2: Oh, we might talk a little more golf. Um, yeah, I, I try okay. not to keep it too to, to get it too far off the rails. That, that's I, never I, good, I, right?
1: I, I appreciate that, and I'm so happy you guys reinvited me on because I was so. I remember talking about Gary Colangelo and Cotton Fitzsimmons and Dan Marley getting drafted last time, and I confused the two, which I felt awful about. And I thought <laughs> I'm never going to get another chance on this show. And so when you texted me the other day, I felt absolute redemption. So I'm very excited to be here.
2: Well, how Once about again. this? We'll redeem ourselves. How do you feel Amari Stoudemire and Sean Marion announced that they're going into the Ring of Honor jerseys retired for this upcoming season for the Phoenix Suns?
1: No, that's awesome. I mean, it's obviously everyone remembers the glory days, the 90s, uh, Suns with Barkley and Marley and AJ. But then that, that, that team that came in after that, they were an exciting bunch. And with Mike D'Antoni running the show, I mean. They were doing some some phenomenal things uh great book the seven seconds or less sons by Jack McCollum if I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard have read it but it's a, I, to me anytime Jack McCollum picks up a pen and starts writing you got to read the basketball book so yeah now I think that's great Yeah,
2: absolutely. And that's some good summer reading. So we'll have to put that on the docket for next summer as we're approaching football season, which we'll get into right now with the Carolina Panthers. And of course, I'll start with new head coach Frank Reich. Uh, The staff he has brought together, Thomas Brown as offensive coordinator, Ijiro Rivero as defensive coordinator. There is a lot of experience and former players on the staff as well. So how does all of that seem to be coming together with everyone working together? Is Frank calling plays? And is this Averro's defense? How's this all kind of coming together?
1: Well, it is Vero's defense, and that was a wonderful hire that that Frank Reich made in regards to Agero. You know, if you remember, Agero was coming off that stint with the Broncos, and uh, he was a candidate for the Panthers' job. And I think when they took Reich, they said, hey, you know, we know we took you, but we also got this guy here that we think is really good. Give him a look. And he he said, yeah, Agero is great. Agero is going to do some things for the defense. Uh, that that are different than what we had last year under Steele Wilkes and before that Phil Snow. Uh, they were four three last year. They're going three four this year. I think Averro looked at the roster and realized they had some tremendously athletic linebackers and really wanted to utilize that. As for the offense, Thomas Brown. I mean, he's the guy in charge. But I mean, we'll see how much Frank Reich really takes control of that. The joke around the office is, you know. Uh, Frank Reich hired Thomas Brown to run the offense to basically run the offense that Frank Reich has designed. And if Brown doesn't do it, and if you don't do the the thing that I created, then guess what? You're first off the line. So it'll be interesting to see how hands off Reich is in regards to that situation. I would think at some point this year, if things aren't going to go right. He's going to go much more hands-on, but he's got a lot of other things to worry about with this team. It it really, I was talking to um, Peter King of NBC Sports, and I'm not one to name drop, but any time that I can say that I was talking to Peter King, I will gladly do it and run with it. Uh, but but King, King said something along the lines of, when he looked at this team, it's an expansion team. And he's not wrong. I mean, there's just so many new guys, so many new positions, and not only new players, but new coaches. So there's just a lot of newness with this squad. There's a lot of excitement, but there's also, Kayla, a lot of unknown.
2: Absolutely. And for Peter King, can you call him a legend, even though he's still – doing it and doing it well
1: oh absolutely and i completely fanned out when i saw him. I was like, oh, yeah. it, it's funny because i've been doing this for 20 years so a lot of times when i meet players like Ah, oh, you know it's Bryce young i'm you know Bryce young he's a kid you know he's a young kid but like you see peter king it's like the peter king so i went running up to him and i said can we can we do an interview and he's like yes yeah, you are so i'm sure he got a kick out of it but it was great talking to I me mean, he, he's got i mean he he He's, con- he's got the concerns, I think, that are fair. When, when you look at this team, I think of what everyone else back here. There's a lot of talent, but there's also a lot of untapped potential, too. And we just don't know. I mean, it, you know, I've, I've, since Bryce Young has gotten here, everyone has done nothing but sing his praises. And a lot of it is completely deserved. But I also wonder if it's like, you know, we're also trying to pad this guy's ego a little bit to get him confident for what's ahead. Because, let's uh, face it, come Saturday, first preseason game, things are only going to get tougher.
2: Mike Lassett, Charlotte Sports Live here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. You mentioned Bryce Young there. Uh, You know, how has he been looking in camp? And I imagine there's some rookie growing pains. Uh, We're going to see a lot more in that first preseason game. But do you personally see any uh, reason to have concern for his size at the NFL level?
1: I think that'll always be there. I think that'll always come up. I mean, Doug Floaty never escaped it throughout his entire career. Uh, So I think, I think, Whenever something goes wrong, that'll probably be the first thing that, that that people mention. I will say, compared to when we saw him in spring workouts, he did look significantly, well not significantly, but, but he did look bigger. And that, that was a goal for them. They wanted him to get with nutritionists and, and nutritionists and try to bulk up a little bit. The key was for him not to get too bulky to the point where he's putting extra stress on his knees. I think he's at a right level right now. I, I think... I think he he's as good as advertised. The Panthers, you know, knew what they were doing when they when they traded up to get him. They wanted him all along. He looks good. Uh he, for the most part, I mean we I've seen him I've seen some good days for him and I've seen some bad days for him, but mostly good days. The two the, the bad day was I mean going back to last Saturday. That ironically, again, not to name check, but that was the day that Peter was there and it was by far the worst day for Young and the worst day for the offense. He He looked rushed with pressure and and the defense coming to him. That's going to be a concern, I think, early on. He made a lot of rush decisions, some bad decisions. Just didn't look good, and it did kind of make everybody step back a little bit. But when Young went to the podium, he owned up for his mistakes. When Reich went up to the podium, he said, you know what? Today stunk, but I'd rather this happen now than week three. This is a good example of us going back to the drawing board tonight. Bryce is going to go to bed, he's going to be thinking about it, and he's going to come back extra motivated the next day to come in and do better. And that's exactly what happened. It was a much better day. When I saw the Jets coming to town on, goodness, now my days are confused. I believe that was Wednesday. That was the first day of Jets practice, the only day of Jets practice. They started doing uh, seven-on-sevens, and then 11-on-elevens, offense versus defense, Jets defense versus Panthers offense. And at times, Young looked a little shaky, but... He came right back. He, he, he got through some tough times. He figured it out. And I think those are positive signs if you're a Carolina Panthers fan that, hey, this guy has what it takes to, to, to not only be talented at the moment, but to get better and to develop as a great quarterback.
2: Mike Lassett, Charlotte Sports Live, right here on KDOS AM 1060. In the extra points, so the team brings in Miles Sanders at running back, also along with Chuba Hubbard there in the backfield. How's that tandem looking, and can that tandem take pressure off of Bryce Young to help start the season?
1: Well, Chuba was here last year. It was remember when they traded uh, when they traded Christian McCaffrey. They were left with uh, Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard. They decided to let Foreman go. They bring in Sanders who. had a wonderful year last year playing for the Eagles. But if you recall, he's had some health problems. And right now, he's dealing with a groin issue. He's not going to play in tomorrow's preseason game. Uh, By all accounts, if Sanders can play the way that he played last year with the Eagles, he is in line for a great year. The one thing that Reich has really said of, at least I don't have to worry about this, is the offensive line. This was an offensive line that was in shambles before the start of last season. You can say what you want about Matt Rule, and you can say what you want about what he did, but he did leave the offensive line in better shape uh, than when he got there. I mean, they, they brought in guys like Bradley Bozeman. They drafted Icky Iquano. Now these guys have played a year together for the most part. They're they're, they're all back, and, and with their help and expertise, Sanders could have a great year, and yes, that could take a lot of pressure off of Bryce Young. But again, this is one of those things where, You know, here's a a new guy in a new scheme, and he's got questions of health. And if he, if, 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 if. so yes, if he's able to do all these things and if they're able to come together, then yes, it it could take significant pressure off of Bryce Young. I'm sorry if I'm being dismissive with my answers, but do you get what I'm saying, right?
2: Absolutely. Uh, There's no DJ Moore. There's a DJ Chark now on the (laughs) roster. 30 catches with the Lions last season, 502 yards. Also brought in Adam Thielen here. Obviously, Thielen coming at it from a veteran's perspective standpoint but does he have gas left in the tank here how does that wide receiver room and i'll even throw in hayden hurst at the tight end position how does all that kind of come together to help a young quarterback
1: well what, what did all those three names have in common new 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 i mean all those guys all new uh you so uh, Chark, shark another guy that that, that 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 has been great you know when he's healthy but also coming off a tough injury riddled season last year Adam Thielen. Uh, he finally played a full season last year, but that was the first time that he had done it since, I believe, 2018. Uh, I would suspect that that Thielen will be the guy that Young looks to uh, target often, but he's had a great connection. One guy you did not mention was Jonathan Mingo, fellow rookie at Ole Miss. He had a great training camp. He figures to be a guy that's going to be in the offensive mix early on, and, and I know it's probably been called before, but any time, that young throws a pass at DJ Chark, you got to go with baby Chark <laughs> as the signature, uh, the signature call. I, my buddy Anish is the radio guy. I'm, I'm trying to push that to him. It's not working, but I, I, I'm all for it.
2: Mike Lassett, Charlotte Sports Live right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Let's toss this on over to the defensive side of the ball. Of course, Brian Burns, 12-and-a-half sacks last season. Uh, can he be unleashed again with Aveiro?
1: Uh, there he there's quite this contract uh, uh, issues now. He he could have easily said, you know what, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to hold out. But he wanted to be here. He thought there was a lot of good things going on with the team. He's coming back with a lot of momentum, coming off a great season last year. I mean, look, all he's got to do is play exactly what he, he like he played last year, and he's going to get paid. He's entering the final year of his contract. He wants to be uh, among the highest paid at his position. I mean, but hey. Last year, 2022, career best, 12 and a half sacks, 63 tackles. Listen, they've set him up for success. They believe that this new defensive system is going to put him in great position to exceed those numbers. Now they just signed a new uh, edge rusher in uh, Houston that they think is also going to make a difference. It's going to be a fun year for the defense.
2: Speaking of the defense here in the secondary, J.C. Horn, how is he health-wise? I guess let's just start there.
1: Well, I mean, that's always a good question when you're talking about J.C. Horn. He's missed 18 games, first two seasons in the league. Uh, last year, he had a bad rib, bad wrist. He had foot issues, finished on the IR. But even, even when he did that, he still finished with three interceptions. I think this is going to be a crucial year for him. They, they know he's got talent. They know he's a difference maker. but They want to see that he can stay on the field, and that has been a problem his first two years in the league.
2: Mike Lassett, Charlotte Sports Live right here on KDOS AM 1060. Uh, you know, overall, what's kind of the excitement level here with Frank Wright coming in and just, the, the we, you touched on it, new is across the board here. Defense, there is some bit of consistency with, you know, Brian Burns. But is there kind of anticipation and excitement and, uh, I guess, hope because of the way that this NFC South is currently set up?
1: No, you said it. I mean, there, there's a lot of ifs for this team. But the, perhaps the greatest thing that they have going in their favor, other than, you know, the, the, the legend of, of Bryce Young just beginning, is the fact that they play in this awful division. Uh, I mean, you, you talk about a situation where the Atlanta Falcons could go worst to first. Uh, you know the Bucks aren't going to do much damage, losing Tom Brady. Uh, the Saints may be someone you consider, but they're dealing with, with issues with guys not being available at the start of the season. It's a possibility. I mean, you look at the Panthers' schedule, and I'll, I'll bring it up here in a second, but, I mean, there are situations where, hey, you know, if they are able to get off to a good start and you play uh, Falcons the first game, come back with the Saints. Let's say you go 2-0. I mean, next thing you know, you, you can ride some of that momentum. You're playing, you know, you got, you got, you got down the stretch of the season. Again, that that, that that you're playing those same teams. It's a possibility where they could win the division. It won't be by a lot. It won't set the world on fire but it's not beyond the fact that they could sneak into the postseason. They almost did it last year.
2: Yeah, they absolutely did. That was quite a, a turn of events. I think for week one for the Panthers, I mean, it's just so much of just throw your throw your hands up. I don't know. Like, how is Bryce Young going to look uh, to start the season? And also on the flip side for Atlanta, how is Desmond Ritter going to look?
1: Well, and that's, and that's the thing, because Frank Wright, uh, yesterday's practice was canceled. They're supposed to have one more with the Jets in Spartanburg. And it was canceled, so Panthers had one sort of hastily put-together Zoom um, press conference. And and basically, Reich even admitted exactly what we're saying right now. It's like, you know what? <laughs> this is not a normal team right now. There's not a lot of guys that have been on the field together. There's not a lot of guys that have been on the field in, in the NFL uh, of all the new guys on their roster. So I expect, and I think he intimated, that a lot of guys will be playing a lot more snaps than what you normally see in a preseason game and i I would expect that to be specifically talking about bryce young it's not like he's going to go quarter one to quarter four but i think maybe we should be getting a little better idea of where this team is based on what we see tomorrow
2: uh so with all of this in mind i'm going to put you on the spot and make a really (laughs) challenging question for you over under seven and a half wins for the panthers this season
1: I'll go over, but not by much. I'll, I'll, uh, that, I, I've learned that being the local sports anchor, you don't you don't get many friends and, and many uh, many many votes of, 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 of confidence uh, if, if you go against the home team. So I'll be a very respectful over on that. I think I, I, th- I think they'll I think they'll do I, I think they will. I, I, I mean, you look at their, their record last year. I mean, there were seven wins the year before, five wins the year before, five wins the year before, five wins. The year before, 2018-17, I think they're a better team than what they were last year. But I, but I, but I think that again, that's only if all these parts come together and work the way that they expect them to at this point in, 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 in you know, in the season.
2: Mike, this has been fantastic. Look forward to catching up with you down the road, and uh, maybe next time we'll have another Suns discussion.
1: Anytime. I am down with talking. I got my Charles Barkley replica, authentic jersey here, '92, '93. I'm ready to go.
2: And one more time, who? What was that book? Seven seconds or less.
1: Seven, seven seconds or less by the by the Mike Danton about the Mike D'Antoni sons from that year. There's some great riffs on on Phil Jackson in there because I think D'Antoni didn't like Phil. He's talking about how. He would—they'd uh, elevate his chair <laughs> because he had a bad back. But it always—they always would say he made it look like he was on a throne. It, <laughs> it was really funny stuff. If you're a Suns fan, I'd pick it up.
2: Perfect. I appreciate it, Mike. This has been fun. Have a good rest of your Friday
1: well have a good weekend
2: thank you once again he is mike lassett there with charlotte sports live you know it sounds like there's just a lot of optimism for this panthers team and it's more just potential are you going to be able to tap into that potential how quickly is bryce young going to be able to assimilate into being a quarterback in the nfl how quickly is a dj shark going to get on the same page as bryce young how quickly is an adam phelan going to get on the same page as a dj shark is miles sanders going to be able to reproduce re- replicate what he did last year uh, in a different team on a different team in a different uniform is brian burns going to be able to be the stud that he was last year can jc horn stay healthy if you put all of that together i think the possibilities are pretty high as we've been talking about it all week long with this nfc south that's just pretty up in the air and nobody has really taken hold and taken the reins and saying this is my division so there's a lot of possibilities here. We'll dive into the Panthers' schedule a little bit and some Arizona Diamondbacks discussion. On the other side of the break, it's The Extra Point.
0: Need social information about KDUS AM 1060? Try KDUS1060.com, at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter, and Facebook.com slash AM 1060.
2: 1041 right there on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Bob Kemp feeling a little under the weather today. So Kayla Mortolaro riding with you up until noon as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. A big thanks there to Mike Lussett uh, for his time talking all things Carolina Panthers. We even threw in a little bit about the Phoenix Suns as well. And if you missed it, podcast it over at KDOS1060.com as well as with the KDOS1060 app. Uh, let's get into the Panthers schedule here briefly as we talked about in that interview Week one. It's just a very let's throw up our hands and say, I don't know. Like I don't know what to expect from uh young quarterbacks. Bryce Young, a rookie quarterback. Desmond Ritter, uh not a rookie quarterback, but uh didn't have a whole lot of playing time last year, concluded the season though for the Falcons. Didn't uh, you know, has a lot to grow into as an NFL starting quarterback. So week one, you're on the road though at the Falcons. Then week two versus the Saints. And then here I think is a stretch that could be quite challenging for the Carolina Panthers week three they are at Seattle week four they are versus the Vikings week five if everyone thinks that the Lions are going to live up to their expectations they are on the road in Detroit and then week six they are on the road at the Miami Dolphins week seven is their bye then you come back and you feel kind of good about yourself that maybe The bye week is where things kind of start to click a little bit for Bryce Young that he's going to have six weeks. It's could potentially have some pretty daunting defenses that he's facing as well so six weeks to kind of get some film uh, feel the pace of the game at the NFL level come back though week eight versus the Texans week nine versus the Colts week 10 at the Bears then week 11 versus the Cowboys 12 at the Titans uh, kind of unknown what we think about the Tennessee Titans week 13 at the Bucks week 14 at the Saints week 15 versus the Falcons so you have three weeks in Row where you were facing division opponents, and then you conclude the year week 16 versus the Packers, 17 at the Jaguars, and 18 versus the Buccaneers. The numbers over under seven and a half, and we'll answer that question around eleven thirty today. As it is for the NFC South, just some numbers. The Saints plus one thirty, the Falcons plus two ten, the Panthers plus three sixty, and the Bucks plus seven fifty to win the division. Bryce Young. I, I don't know how you really uh, hop on board with some numbers in a prop market where you're just so uncertain about what to expect at a rookie, with a rookie quarterback at the NFL level, but it's set here in Vegas, 3,250.5 yards, minus 112, and Miles Sanders at the running back position over under 900.5 rushing yards, minus 112, so we'll certainly dive more into that around 1130 today. Let's pause for a minute about football and get into the Arizona Diamondbacks here. They're back on the diamond today, hosting the Padres for three games this weekend. Tonight, it's going to be Blake Snell versus Ryan Nelson. Blake Snell, 8-8, 2.61 ERA, 164 strikeouts. Ryan Nelson, 6-6, 5.16 ERA, 80 strikeouts. Let's look at this from the Padres' side of things. The Padres had a players-only meeting after Wednesday's loss. Xander Bogarts is quoted here to the media as saying it's never too late man we've all been preaching that we're going to get on a run and we haven't so far all of the guys in this room still deeply believe that it's going to happen apparently for the Padres here though this isn't the only players meeting that they've had so far this season and for the expectations that have been around this San Diego Padres squad Certainly they haven't lived up to those expectations. They haven't lived up to the payroll around the expectations here. And it's kind of been in the area where you didn't think it was going to happen at the, at the plate with the bats. It hasn't been what you would expect. San Diego ranks 19th in total offense in Major League Baseball. As a group, 914 hits, 504 RBIs, and a team batting average of 239. Certainly not able to get guys home when they do get runners on base, and you're not getting that production from the top of the order. It's been a little surprising here for the San Diego Padres who mathematically still right in this thing for a wild card spot as they're four and a half games back and they're facing the Diamondbacks in a three game set who the Diamondbacks are the team that is directly in front of them in this wild card race. So mathematically here, it's still plausible. Rich Hill going for the Padres, seven and 11, 5.09 ERA, 108 strikeouts, Zach Gallen, 11-5, 3.37 ERA, 157 strikeouts. And Sunday, the, game, the series concludes with Seth Lugo, 4-6, four 4.19 ERA, 90 strikeouts. Brandon fought, 0-6, 7.16 ERA, 42 strikeouts. When it comes to the Diamondbacks side of things in this series, they are looking to snap an eight-game losing streak. As I mentioned, they are still in this race for the wild card. The Diamondbacks are two and a half games back behind the Cubs and the Reds. But they're not playing great baseball. The Diamondbacks have the worst record since the All-Star break. And it's, it's seeping into other things that are not just starting pitching. They're not just relief pitching. It's its really permeating into everything. It's not being able to drive home runs. It's not being able to get critical hits. It's poor base running, uh, getting out when you have no reason to be getting out. It's just kind of uh, permeating everywhere, even into dugout decisions, uh, who you're bringing in in certain circumstances. It's kind of just everywhere. So is the day off knowing that you have – 47 games left, two and a half games back out of this wildcard spot. Are you able to mentally flip the switch and find a way to be a part of the playoff conversation? It all gets started, though, tonight with Ryan Nelson on the mound for the Diamondbacks. Uh, Some other series that I think are worth paying attention to. You have the Guardians versus the Rays. The Rays currently hold on to that first wild card spot in the American League. And can they hang on? This has just been like they started off like gangbusters, even with some of their starting pitching injuries. And then just more and more injuries kept piling up for this team. They've won 11 games since the All Star break. So I'm just curious to see how this is all going to shape up here for the Rays, who are coming off of a series loss against the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cubs and the Blue Jays are in a weekend series. The Cubs, as I mentioned, are a half game back in that wildcard race. The Blue Jays are holding on to the last wildcard spot in the American League. So certainly some implications there. The Angels versus the Astros. A lot has always been made now about what is going on in the Angels organization and the moves that they made ahead of the trade deadline but I think for me it's more just how is Justin Verlander going to do now back with Houston this will be a second start since being traded to Houston the Orioles are at the Mariners and suddenly the Mariners find themselves one and a half games back in the wild card Also for the Rangers and the Giants the Giants are in the wild card spot right now the Rangers still have hold on their division so just some interesting little matchups going on around Major League Baseball it's golf talk coming up on the other side of the break the PGA Tour the FedEx Cup playoffs have begun and the FedEx St. Jude Championship is underway. Once again, it's a little different this year as it's only the top 70 have qualified and there's no cut in this field. So everyone will be guaranteed, as long as you don't sign for a wrong scorecard or something, guaranteed four rounds. In addition to that, the top 50 move on to next week's BMW Championship. So plenty of players trying to work their way into... Next week, we'll dive into what's going on around the PGA Tour and this book that Billy Walters wrote. We'll talk a little bit about that coming up next here on Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060.
0: Tune in weekdays to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp from 9 to 10 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060, KDUS 1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app.
2: Wrapping up our number one on this Friday August 11th we're here on KDOS AM 1060 as always online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports it is a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits located 2390 North Olma School in Chandler you can always visit them at Von Hansen's in addition to that we'll have the $100 gift certificate a little bit later Later on in the show, let's talk uh, about some golf that's taken place on the PGA Tour, the St. Jude Championship. You had. Uh Uh, you had Jordan Spieth yesterday going out and firing a 7 under par this is coming off of a couple of miscuts in a row and not some great golf it's been pretty inconsistent here for Jordan Spieth but uh, obviously playing well yesterday I believe it was a bogey free effort for him Tom Kim we need him to play well we have him at a 40 to 1 odds here he shot 6 under par yesterday uh, and he is even right now on his round today through five holes so we need him to keep uh, racking up some birdies. And then Colin Morikawa, he shot 500 par yesterday. It's been a bit of a mixed bag for Colin as well this season, but really awesome stuff for Colin in how he's going to be donating money uh, to Hawaii and everything that's been horrifically transpiring with the fires here. He feels uh, impassioned by all of that. So there's going to be money being donated uh, to Hawaii and all of the relief efforts uh, that that, uh, everyone needs for the community to come together in Hawaii and specifically in the Maui area. He is one under par today through five holes. Right now, Lucas Glover, and Tommy Fleetwood are sitting atop of the leaderboard at seven under par. You have Lucas Glover, who he won the Wyndham Championship to propel himself into the FedEx Cup playoffs, and he's continuing his great play now uh, as he's sitting atop of this leaderboard here. Jordan Spieth, though, he is one over par through seven holes. Uh, so now he is in a tie for third at six under par. Scotty Scheffler, the odds-on favorite heading into the event with his new putter, gained 0.27 strokes on the green yesterday. He's at three under par. Rory McIlroy, he also has a new putter. He didn't fare so well. He lost strokes on the green, minus 0.773 strokes. He's also at three under par. And John Rahm struggled yesterday at three over par. As I mentioned here, news away from the golf course, you had Billy Walters uh, writing a book, Gambler, secrets from a life at risk it comes out on august 23rd but excerpts are already leaking And the big news that came out about uh, the excerpts here in regards to Phil Mickelson and the relationship that Phil and Billy Walters had uh, and some of the staggering numbers and situations that occurred, Walters estimates that Phil Mickelson wagered more than $1 billion during the past three decades and that Phil lost close to $100 million in his gambling experiences Walters also here suggested that Phil wanted to place a $400,000 bet on the United States to beat Europe in the 2012 Ryder Cup. Phil's statement, I never bet on the Ryder Cup. While it is well known that I always enjoy a friendly wager on the course, I would never undermine the integrity of the game. I have also been very open about my gambling addiction. I have previously conveyed my remorse, took responsibility, have gotten help, have been fully committed to therapy that has positively impacted me, and I feel good about where I am now. More excerpts. And the book officially coming out August 23rd. Our number two of Extra Point is coming up next.